0: On the next Sales as King, it's the most effective way to prospect, yet, such a small percentage of sellers are leveraging this. It's the referral. James Muir is back on the podcast to talk about his new book and give us amazing strategies for driving revenue through referrals. Next on Sales as King. <music> Everybody. Welcome back to Sales is King, and very excited to have on the program, back to the program, super sales leader and uh, executive trainer, coach, uh, author, James Muir, uh, who has one of the greatest books I've ever read on selling called The Perfect Close. And if you want to know The Perfect Close, buy the book. But James, welcome back to the program. How you been? Good. I think uh, is this our third one together? I don't know. I think it, I think it, I think we've done three now. Could be. It could be. I don't want to <laughs> over uh, bring you back, but uh, you're you're great for my ratings, and you're always a great <laughs> interview, and you're always in the middle of a lot of good stuff. So I'm glad to have you back. Just um, give everybody a little quick intro for those uh, who may not know you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Well, so I've been in sales for 30 years now, so I'm a, a little older than I look. Um and uh, I got drafted into sales. It was unintentional. I was an operations business person and then I um we opened up an office in a, a remote area and they needed an operations person that could also sell and I got sucked into selling. Turns out that was my uh my calling in life. So I have served in every position in selling you can think of, from an individual contributor to a, uh, a technical person, you know, application specialist where you're like a demo dolly to uh, um, you know, VP of a region to executive VP for an entire publicly traded company. So I, I've served in all the different roles that are out there. And I still serve in that capacity now, uh, but I spend about half my time uh, doing you know, speaking and training. and that. Uh, and as you
0: mentioned, I've got a couple of books and a, a new one coming out. That's very exciting. And we want to jump into that. But let's start by talking about, you know, what are you seeing now in this whole new COVID, post-COVID economy? Um, What's happening with sales and sellers uh, from your vantage point?
1: Well, a ton of my clients are in the healthcare space and uh, usually we used to brag about how we were immune to all uh, e- you know, e- economy and any kind of a depression or anything like that because everybody gets sick all the time. But this has been different this time because uh, people are so busy with COVID that they weren't doing other things. And so what I think... Um, Obviously, uh, most a lot of the selling has had to happen remote. And so there's, there's dynamics around that that reduce the human level. And so there's things you got to do to compensate for that. But I think one of the biggest things that we hear is, man, I hear I was working with this client, then all of a sudden COVID hit and then everybody puts, on, everybody puts the brakes on. They don't want to do anything. And so a couple of those strategies that we've had to do Uh, in order to uh, continue to, and I've got clients that are actually doing better now than they were before COVID, uh, but is you got to focus on different stuff. People are not interested in uh, productivity. They're, they're interested in hard cost savings and executives want to know, there's three things. They want to know muchness, how much they want to know sureness, how certain are you that they're going to get the return you're promising and, um, soon as how soon it is it. And so if you're promising anything like, hey, you're going to get a return like in three years, then, yeah, they're not going to listen to yeah. you, right? So you have to, and so the way you, that turns into a practical strategy is um, you need to change your messaging to focus on immediate gains, usually in cost savings or risk reduction right now. That can, and, and you need to argue that they're the easiest, fastest thing that they could be doing right now. And then what you need to do is take all the risk out, right? And this is a new, this is a new tool that a lot of people have not used in years past but you probably are going to have to guarantee your results in some way to take mm-hmm. the risk out or they will delay and and uncertainty causes them to just wait they'd rather wait and to see what's going to happen when it's all over and here's the news flash Dan doing nothing does not solve the problem right. you're going to have the same problem you had before so when folks say, hey, how I re-engage my client, just remind them of the original reason that they engaged you, because that hasn't gone away. And then on your side, you need to do risk reduction strategies on your side to make sure that, they, that there's really no reason for them to not move forward.
0: So those are a couple of just little yeah. snippets that have helped my clients. Yeah, without a doubt. We, um, so uh, in my business, we came up with a program uh, exactly addressing two of those key elements. How do we get something out quick, fast. So whereas our solution typically might have taken two months to deliver, um, leveraging a new piece of technology, we're able to get it out in two weeks. And then in addition, we de-risked it by calling it a risk-free. So you'd sign up, but you could leverage it. um, And it's a kind of a business value ROI selling type tool. You could leverage it for 30 days or more, Uh, before we we would send an invoice. Perfect. And um, those two things uh, got deals going again because everything was literally frozen solid. Um, And some of our customers were um, somewhat progressive, saying, man, we've got to take action. And others were literally just sitting on their hands, hoping it would just go away, and budgets were frozen. So it's a really challenging time. But I think the flip side of it is, It also opens up a tremendous world of possibilities, right, because now it seems almost everything is on the table in terms of um, what companies are looking at. So I think there's a lot more opportunity now for salespeople to get in there, do a really good discovery and try and sell in new stuff.
1: Yeah, I think a major focus has to be put on your value prop. So organizations that have not done the work on exactly what their value proposition is and how it is that they can save money, reduce risk, or improve cash flow, those three things are the hot things right now. Um, they need to go back and do their homework on that because that's what needs to be in your messaging right now. And the truth is, it was always supposed to be in your messaging.
0: The truth. It's just, it's just <laughs> super heightened in its importance right now. Yeah. Yeah, we've gotten away with a lot of uh, bad stuff. Um, so I know you have a new book coming out, um, and I want to talk through uh, the contents and the subject matter. Um, tell us a little bit about it. I know it, it really um, goes back to one of the biggest challenges um, that we hear sellers have today. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Well, it actually started, I was uh, writing a book, I'm in the middle of it, uh, called Tactical Prospecting. And then we got to the part about referrals and there was just so much material there that I decided to just to, to deviate for a minute and complete a book on referrals. Um, not, not many books have done a B2B approach to getting referrals. Mostly it's, it's B2C. And, uh, and so this will include both elements, but there's definitely a lot, there's good books out there on B2C, but, um, And so that's how I ended up in in this topic. But but when you look at what the top challenge is right now, by far, by far, uh, according to all the recent surveys, is that prospecting and lead generation is the number one challenge for all sales and marketing and all businesses, actually, right now. Um, The top three are prospecting, uh, about 49%, so 50%. The next two closest ones are closing and qualifying, closing 24%, and qualifying. So prospecting as a problem or as a challenge is literally. Is bigger than the next two combined. So right, it's so yeah. that, that's what it is. And as it turns out, prospecting is getting harder than it was before. Um, there was a, 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 recent, a recent international survey of uh, 6,400 executives, inter, you know, all over the world. And was, they said, hey, what's, what's harder to do now in sales than like two, three years ago? And by far, the number one answer is prospecting, by far. And, um, and so it, it makes you say, well, why is that? What's the root cause of that? And when you get back to peeling the onion, uh, just to simplify, it's, uh, um, it's that there's, the marketing messaging out there is on overload. That, that, the, the most recent data is showing that we're getting hit with about 10,000 sales marketing and branding messages every day. So that, that's mind-boggling, right? I mean, so, um, so you don't get hit with that many messages without creating some defenses, right? And that's the, and that's the funny thing. But, but here's the irony. Um, that you and I were talking about before we started, is that when you survey sales professionals, say, hey, what's your strategy to uh, to hit your goal this year? What's, you, know, you know what their number one answer is? <laughs> it's that they're going to do more. They're going to do more, right? They're right? More cold calling, more email, more of everything, right? And do you see the irony in that is that they are literally contributing to the number one thing, the very thing that's causing prospecting to be harder as a whole. And so to me, that's weird. It's like, it's like, Losing money on a bet in Vegas, and then how are you going to make it up with another bet? Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, keep doing more of the same bad stuff. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, it's a, a race right.
1: to the bottom. Yeah. So, and the, the the sad truth, though, is that it's actually even worse than that. Is that there is actually a whole new breed of these of robotic competition that's out there, AI, um, that's going to elevate this messaging overload to absolutely ridiculous levels, and. Um, uh, Competitors are now leveraging this, this whole new brand of robotic tools that are out there. And I'm sure some of your listeners are already even using some of these tools. But what what these tools promise to deliver is more precision, more scale. They act human. And but the, the key here, embrace yourself, is that even higher levels of messaging and interaction because these robots can spew out messages at a ridiculous and unprecedented rate. So, you know, the, the strategy is really... Um, of doing more right to to try to hit your number is actually becoming a bigger and bigger waste of time. And that will just continue as more and more of these robotic tools get implemented. You won't be able to com- compete with it, right? There's just, you can't compete with some robot that can spew out a thousand times more messages per day than you can. So we need a better way is the, is the short version of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so what it does is it just puts marketers or whoever you're calling on, in this defensive mode. I mean, I know I even go through it too. I'm like, what can I get rid of in my, in my inbox, you know, and then let's not even talk about LinkedIn and, and social media with the, the, the tomfoolery that's going on there with people just bombarding you with meaningless stuff. Oh my gosh. Uh, Right. So, yeah, and if,
1: and, if, and if any of your, <laughs> your listeners are are uh, are listening and they're guilty of this, for heaven's sakes, guys, do not connect with someone and then immediately send them a sales pitch. That is just the worst. Uh, and I when I get those, I have about thirty thousand connections. I just disconnect immediately, right? You've yeah. tipped your hand immediately. So you got to add some kind of value first. So with social, there's some slightly different strategies you've got to employ. But that's the biggest crime right there.
0: Yeah, and I feel as if, and maybe you know, I'm. I'm if we're in sales and you're trying to do a good job, you should know that as kind of one of the cardinal rules of what you don't do. And I think there's just so much bad stuff going on, it makes it more difficult to get your message through. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's just craziness. So, um, you know, so how do we solve this issue? Um, what are some of the alternative approaches to uh, trying to get our numbers, right? Yeah, well, the, the data actually shows there's a really clear
1: path to doing that, right? Mm-hmm. What most uh, sales professionals are actually surprised to discover is they just haven't been focusing on the highest leverage points in their prospecting efforts. And they're even more surprised to discover that just by making a few minor tweaks to their prospecting, they can get massive improvements, like, like along thousands of a percent in terms of effectiveness. And these improvements fall into four categories. There's market message, medium, and motivation, those four. Mm -hmm. And so just to be really brief about what those are, market is about targeting ideal clients, okay? It's probably the single most effective strategy you can implement is just to to only sell to ideal customers. And that's because everything else in the pipeline is downstream from there, right? So it doesn't matter if your demo is awesome or your negotiating is fantastic, your presentations are great. If you're putting crap at the top of of the funnel, it won't matter, it'll all fall on deaf ears because you're selling to the wrong person, okay? Message is about crafting our message. So once you get through to them, how do we craft a message that is gonna resonate and get them to respond and wanna have a conversation with us? Medium is about the channels that we're gonna to use to actually deliver the message once we've got the message worked, right? So if, they, if our people hang out on LinkedIn or they hang out on social, great, that's a great channel. If not, we might be using email, we might using, right? And today I think we're gonna talk about the referrals channel, but mm-hmm. um, And then last is motivation, which is about personal energy, right? And so uh, none of this works if we don't work, right? So that, those are the four high leverage areas. But in the context of medium, um, the data j- shows that there is a channel that is far and away the best, and that's referrals. And um, and, and let me just give you some metrics for your listeners on this. This will just blow your mind. And I, I could go on forever, but I'll just kind of pare it down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in the engagement department, whether you – would like to recognize this factor. Or not. About ninety percent of uh, of your peers are already influencing buyer decisions. It's already happening. So it's either happening with you or without you. Is the point? And eighty four percent of, of dec- executive decision makers they like to start that process with some kind of a referral. That's how they like to begin the whole process anyway. Mm. And uh, you're if you use a referral, you're uh, um, five hundred. It's it's like between four and five hundred percent more likely to get your appointment if you're using referral. So it, it's mm. much much higher in. The, in the conversion de- department, referrals convert three to five hundred percent better than any other single channel. Nothing's even close. It completely slaughters every other channel by a country mile. It, uh, I mean, it's it's so much better. You could combine all of the other lead generation channels, total them all together, and they still wouldn't even get to the low number on referrals. That's how much better it is um, on value. Um, referred customers are proven to spend more. It's about 13% more than non-referred customers. Referred customers actually have a higher lifetime value. It's between like 16, 25% higher lifetime value. And my favorite stat, my favorite stat is that ref- the salespeople who actively seek referrals, they actually earn four to 500% more than those who don't. Wow. Now that, wow. That's, not, that's not double that's no. what the, It's four hey. to 500% more. I mean, oh it's, it's clear out there in the stratosphere. And, and believe oh. me, I, I'm, a, I'm a data guy. I could go on forever. Yeah. Um, that, and, and we could actually, uh, I've got a little chart we could yeah. actually yeah. show your yeah, people if you'd that. like to see what, yeah. what this is. Um, and let me just see if I can, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can make this work. So here, yeah. how about that? Is that? Are you seeing yeah, that yeah. on your screen? Perfect. Perfect. So let me tell you what this is. When I first got into sales, all I had was cold calling. That was the only channel mm-hmm. that I uh, used. Um, and you can be successful with cold calling. So I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I'm an anti-cold calling. What you need. Um, what you need to have is a whole. A whole series of strategies that you're going to use to reach your customer, and that actually changes per industry that you're in. So it's not a given that a given channel is always the, like, if you'd asked me a few years ago, I'd have told you that trade shows were dying the death and they, they, they weren't, but I have clients that, that actually is their best channel. Mm-hmm. And that's just because when the people that they need to uh, contact are away from uh, their offices, they can actually have a conversation with them, but in their office environment, they're unreachable essentially. Yeah. So, but what you're looking at here, this is slightly different. When I was uh, trying to create my own, uh, understanding of how much work I needed to do when I was a brand new sales rep. Um, I was trying to calculate, well, you know, all right, how many deals do I need to, uh, um, to close to hit my number? That's pretty easy. You take your average deal size, divide it into your goal, your quota. And then I was like, well, all right, well, how many opportunities do I need to be working? And that's your close ratio divided by your, um, your number of, uh, of opportunities, right? And so um, that'll tell you how many ops you should be having in your pipeline right now. But the number that was harder, right, that nobody at my company knew when I first got on board was, how many leads do I need in order to get that number of opportunities? And that is your lead to opportunity conversion rate. Mm -hmm. And nobody had a number. And so at that time, I just had to pull a number out of the ether, which the number I pulled out of the ether was 3% of my cold calls will turn into opportunities is what I used. Mm But what you're looking at right now is a chart that shows you all of the different lead generation strategies. It's not all, but it's most of the lead generation channels or strategies that we use in B2B. Um, And the conversion to opportunities represented as a range. So there's a low number and there's a high number. And well, you tell me, Dan. Do you notice anything uh, interesting about this particular?
0: chart yeah. well it looks like <laughs> it looks like referrals is in a completely different yeah, world yeah. yeah holy smokes right? man just, the rest of it is just slogging it out yeah it just, crumbs yeah yeah and this
1: yeah this is where all the competition is down here right that's what we were talking about more before people said they're gonna do more well they're gonna do more email more social media but look at the conversion rate i mean they're legit channels it should be part of your portfolio It should be part of your strategy but holy smokes you know, yeah. referrals as a channel completely slaughters every other channel by country miles. So, you know, the, the big question would be, well, why, would he, why do you think that is? And I, I'm sure you know the answer to that, but
0: let's, let's throw sure. it out to your and, crew. And for those of you who are not on the uh, video, it was an 80% figure that uh, we had. What was the range again? Yeah, it's uh, on, the lo-
1: on the low side, it's about 50%. and 50 then to on, 80. 50 to 80%. Uh,
0: on yeah, referrals versus... Leaves- all the rest of them were slugging out just to get what up to ten or under. Yeah, uh, you know. So, so think about that. And you know, the one thing I was thinking about too, while you're putting this thing up, you know, I'm thinking about the conventional wisdom about when people are looking for jobs, and they always say referrals, right, and and networking uh, versus filling out applications. Exact same principle. out, right? So, so why? You know, why are we not doing this more? Um, That's the thing that, you know, I just don't get it. You know, are we afraid to ask as sellers? Do we don't know how to, do we not know how to do it? Um, Are we just conditioned to just is it easier and safer to just throw out emails and run away? (laughs) You know, what's, what's the answer?
1: Yeah. Let's talk through that just a second. Right. Um, so, I mean, I mean, just as a nutshell, the reason referrals work so much better is trust, right? Mm. When you, when you're getting a referral, you're borrowing and leveraging the trusted relationship that two people have in each other. And it's the most effective lead generation strategy there is. But so the question is, you know, why don't, um, why don't we do it? And, um, and by far the answer, the number one answer that I hear is that people just forget. That's, that's the number one answer that I hear, right? And what that means is they don't have a process. They don't have a right. system. And so because of that, it's random and it just doesn't happen. So the, you know, the answer to that would be, all right, well, um, you know, implement a system, implement a process you know, for having referrals. And that, you know, if there's any you know, managers on here, that's, yeah, that's kind of on you to help them do that. Because mm-hmm. people don't, they don't, salespeople tend to, to prospect the way they came from whatever job they came from before, right? So if we were cold callers in our last job and then we get into this job, they tend to be cold callers. You know, if they did trade shows, they do trade shows. It's they just, they, they, yeah, cause that's what they've been taught and very few people know how to do referrals correctly is the problem. So um, another thing that I sometimes hear is they lack confidence. Okay. And so here's, here's what I would say about that. You need to get sold on your solution because selling is serving. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we're helping someone invest in something, we're improving their lives. Right. And we should be enthusiastic. In fact, it should be inherently motivating to try to get and reach out and help somebody. So if you're not sold on your solution, guys, you need to reconsider where you're working. Um, and that's right. th- that's tough medicine. But that's that's the that's truth. So true. Um yeah. Asking in the wrong way and fear of rejection is another thing that I hear a lot. And uh, the solution here is just to ask in the most successful way, right? In a way that doesn't cause you to get rejected. Now, actually, I'm hoping that we can share that with your listeners here in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel like they haven't earned it yet, right? That's what I hear. Oh, we haven't. I feel like I haven't earned it yet. And here's the thing. You, you should definitely work towards earning referrals, definitely. But the fact is you don't have to wait until you've, quote unquote, earned it to uh, ask for referrals. In fact, in my experience, the best time to ask for referrals is right after you've made the sale. Yeah. Customers are at an emotional high point, timing is perfect. They have, there's nothing that have, has gone wrong, right? It can prevent everything. And so, um, and it fills your pipeline way, way faster. Wait, you don't have to wait a year, however long you feel like it takes to earn it. So it, here's the thing, do earn it do earn it, but ask now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait to ask. Mm -hmm. And the the last is I hear a lot is that people feel like um, great service alone is enough to generate referrals. Okay. And here's the short answer on that. It isn't. (laughs) It isn't. It's not going to happen by itself. What the data shows is somewhere around 20% of your customers will actually refer you no matter what you do. Another 20% won't refer you no matter what you do. And somewhere around 60% are willing to refer you, but you have to ask. We have to create a, uh, an opportunity um, to do that. So, so that's it. Um, and yeah. I thought, um, just to kind of I- uh, impress on your team or your uh, listeners uh, the, uh, the magnitude of, of how important referrals are, I thought I would share my own personal experience with, mm-hmm. um, with referrals uh, that'll blow your mind. You're, I mean, this is really what got me on this to begin with, is um, I uh, I worked for a publicly traded company for, you know, 16 years. And I got, as a VP, I got in sort of this uh, battle with uh, the marketing department. My my team was saying, you know, it, it, the, the traditional thing that happens at big organizations is the sales guys say the marketing leads suck and the, the, the marketing people <laughs> say the, the sales people are not following up on the leads we send, right? And so this is the battle that happens. Right. And so I got in this, you know, um, I got in this fight uh, uh, about, you know, where the leads are coming from and the quality of those leads. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and so uh, uh, what I did is for my region, I hired someone to audit every single lead that came in for a quarter. It was about a thousand leads. okay? And so this person called every single and contacted one way or another all thousand of those. It was just under a thousand. And Mm -hmm. and she would ask them a bunch of questions, right? And this is going to blow your mind though. uh, Basically what marketing was saying was saying some things like, you know, well, this percentage is coming from the website and this percentage is coming from SEO and that kind of stuff, right? And what my person asked that turned out to be really significant is this. She said, what made you go to X, whatever the channel was, in the first place, right? So if they went to the website, she'd say, well, what made you go to the website? Or if, or if they typed their name in, in Google, she'd say, you know, well, what made you type our name in Google to begin with? Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and here's what we found. Regardless of the lead source, 74% could be traced back to a referral. Oh, 74%! Wow. Right? Oh, my God. Right? So... Um, Wow. And that, and that is just mind-blowing to me, right? And, um, uh, and I'm, the, I'm not the only one that has uh, come up with numbers like that. Both uh, BNI and New York Times have come up with very similar numbers. I think BNI is around 70%, and I think New York Times is about 60%. So the reason I share that is because it was an eye-opener uh, for me, because I thought, oh, well, all these other channels are great. But in reality, the majority of the opportunities that we were getting were actually – always coming from referrals. It's just, we, d- we couldn't do that. And by the way, there's a word for that in the marketing world. It's called attribution. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is attribution is a super complex issue and very hard to get right. So I would not get yourself embroiled in a debate wow. about that. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that uh, referrals as a channel may be considerably more important than you might have previously imagined. <laughs> Wow! Because from my perspective, somewhere between sixty and seventy-five percent of all leads are actually coming from referrals, anyway.
0: Wow, that's that is a mind blower. (laughs) Um, I did not know that, and I would never think that. You would just never think that because you you only see them in a separate category. You know, there's the referrals that you get, and then there's all this other activity. Um, yeah. And
1: it's, it's tricky.
0: I don't know that we'll ever get that right. If, yeah, if but, our first
1: trackable contact is because they typed or clicked on something, we'll, we won't know any
0: of a personal conversation that might've happened beforehand mm-hmm. that, that triggered that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how do we, so, and then your reasoning around, um, you know, why we're not doing a good job on this. So what, what are the steps that we need to take, um, You know, it's just so funny, right? I mean, in sales, you know, sales 101 is always ask for the order, right? You know, and um, so it seems as if you've got to start with ask for the referral. Um, If you don't ask, they won't know. It was And something I read or watched a while back, they were talking about um, a homeless person or someone on the street um, that was just kind of sitting there. But the ones that either had a sign or their hands out were doing a lot better because... (laughs) They were telling the people what they needed or what they needed it for. So um, sure. I think you just have to lead people and tell them exactly what you want, even when you're, you know, what they teach you when you're networking or when you're meeting somebody, you have to very specifically tell them what you're what you need, what you're looking for. You know, what sort of person do you want to meet? Um, you know, who, who would be helpful to you? Um, so maybe this is going to kind of lead into to what we need to do. Or yes, what we need to take.
1: Yeah, let me, so let me give you some specifics around that because I have personally, with my own teams, tried and failed at almost every way of asking for referrals you can think of. <laughs> and so what I'm going to share with you is what turned out uh, to work and actually made a very big difference for me. And um, I would just say, you know, one of the biggest problems with referrals is that reps don't know how to ask. And since they don't know how, they don't ask at all. That's, mm-hmm. that's the main mm-hmm. issue, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what you were just saying, if you don't ask, you don't get. However, often they ask in the wrong way. And when you ask in the wrong way, they also fail. And then that creates this reinforcement that they that they don't want to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have read virtually every book you can think of on, um, on referrals and, and I've tried these different things. And what I can tell you is probably 95% of the advice out there boils down to getting with the customer and asking them, Hey, who else do you know that can buy my stuff? Mm -hmm. Okay. And sometimes you can do better by saying, Hey, the the best kind of person to buy my stuff looks like this. Now, who do you know who can buy my stuff? Okay. But here's the, here's the thing. I have tried all that. Okay. In the B2B world anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you do anything like, Hey, who else do you know that can buy my stuff? You're going to bomb out. Okay. Um, like I said, I've tried this and I failed at all this and it doesn't, it doesn't really produce much results. Um, and the reason for that is you're just asking them to do too much work, right? Asking a person to think of everyone they know that meets a certain criteria is actually quite hard to try that sometime. Right. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you what does work and what made a huge difference for me and my own teams. Okay. Instead of asking your client to pull a name, a list of names out of the ether, go out in advance and figure out who would be a good candidate for you that they already know using either LinkedIn or society rosters. Okay. So you can, mm-hmm. like, for example, I can see, Hey, I know, you know, I, I know Dan Sixsmith knows uh, Jeff Shore. Right. And so I can see that you're connected on LinkedIn. So I already know in advance. And so that's how you identify them. And, mm. and then um, basically before you go into the conversation, you know, the name of the exact person you want the introduction to. Okay, so instead of saying you know uh, hey, Dan, I'm trying to get a hold of Deb Calvert out of you know people first productivity solutions, um do you happen to know her I, well of course i already I already know that you know her right so mm-hmm. i'm i i'm I'm kind of yeah that's in my back pocket, and so here's the thing is your customer's not dumb, they can tell where you're headed with this the second you ask, okay, mm-hmm. so if they're comfortable, they'll say. Sure, right? Uh, or if they're not comfortable, the opposite will happen. They'll, they'll play dumb and they'll just say, oh, yeah, I don't know her very well. Okay? So you're never going to get rejected. That's the good news. They're never going to tell you. They're just going to say, oh, I don't know him very well. And sometimes mm-hmm. they don't, right? I have a ton of connections on LinkedIn. People will send me a message, hey, I see you're connected to so-and-so. And they just saw an article or something that I posted. And so I don't really know them that well. So I can't really refer them. And so that, that's true. That happens. But what usually happens, if you look, you'll say, yeah, I, you know, uh, I ask if you know Deb Calvert. You say, yeah, we've known each other this for years. And then you just ask if they'd be willing to make an introduction. And you want to use the word introduction, not referral. The word referral has a ton of baggage. We don't want mm-hmm. to that. All you're really looking for, believe me, guys, you get all the benefits of a referral when you get the introduction. So you don't really need to use the word. Just use the word introduction because that's all we're really asking for. Mm-hmm. And that approach turned out to be massively... Mm. More effective than anything else that we tried and of course you get all the benefits of having a built-in reference to help you out with your new opportunity now there's definitely a little more nuance through that whole process mm-hmm. I mean I can if you want to talk through that I'm happy to do that uh, but that's the most important part is research mm. the, research the exact name of the person that you want an introduction to before you meet and then my advice is um, is to ask only one at a time this is not the time to be efficient right? So a lot of books will tell you, oh, you know, see if you can get them to give you 10 or 20 or whatever. Right? This is not the time to do that. Yeah. What you want to do, get the one exact one that you want. You already looked them up before you came and said, this is the best one I can ask them for. And you can have a backup plan. Like, let's just say I ask if you know Deb Calvert and you really don't. I could say, oh, well, I'm also trying to get in over at this company. Do you happen to know mm-hmm. this other person that I saw on your LinkedIn profile? You don't mm-hmm. say that. And so you, you, can, you can ask for more than one if you bomb out on the first one in your meeting. But uh, basically, only ask for one at a time. And when they do, then, then just keep them in the loop, right? You can always come back for another one. Now's not the time to get a greedy, okay? And then just keep them informed on your progress. And you'll train your uh, contact to give you referrals. Uh, and what will happen is at some future point, and this is what happened in my career, you'll hit what I call critical mass. And you'll have clients giving you so many opportunities that you actually will not even have time to prospect, Uh, because these other ones are so high. And so I I would literally, I was, uh, as an individual contributor, I was giving my opportunities that were coming from worse sources to the other sales reps so that I could just follow up on the referral ones because that's how many I was getting. So I call it critical mass where your customers start breeding more customers. And that's a beautiful place to be. But that's it in a nutshell is know the name of the exact person you want before you go in and just say, hey, do you happen to know this person? They say, yes. you go, hey, would you be willing to make an introduction? And then they make an introduction. And that could either happen, you know, the best is in person, the second best is on the phone, and the third best is with an email. So don't, don't immediately jump down to the, the, le- the least effective channel and do it over an email when you could potentially be doing it in person or over telephone, right? You won't always get those, right? It's probably 80-20, where 80% is probably email. But you may as well go for the best you can go for, right? So anyway, that, that's it in a nutshell.
0: No, it's, it's, it's very powerful, um, and I have not really heard this before, um, and I'm by no means an expert in, in referrals. or uh, I mean, I, I, do, I get a lot of them. I, I ask for them, but I think this is good. The thing that I love the most about this is that it takes the work out of the equation. It, it's not putting this burden on the prospect, on the new customer to say, well, who do you know? you know, and get them to start thinking, you're actually giving them a name um, that you've pre-selected and said, you know, do you know ABC person? Um, And would you be willing to make an introduction? And the second part of that is equally as powerful with the word introduction, because referral, I think, puts a little more responsibility on that -er, referrer to kind of say, you know, you should buy this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which they might not want to do and they may be uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. There's a little bit less perception of risk with the word introduction than there is with a referral. And so with a referral, what they don't want is they don't want you to damage the trust that they have established with this person. Which means, by the way, you got to be trustworthy to begin with. One of the top challenges I see when I go into an organization and we start this process is everybody would love to leverage referrals, but nobody has built up any goodwill with their clients. And so if you're a fire and forget type of sales guy, and now you want to go back to somebody you sold two years ago and see if you can get a referral, newsflash, it, it, you're going to have to rebuild the relationship because you haven't been keeping in touch with them. So, um, and, and there is a little bit of a game there where you have to kind of eyeball which customers are the most leverageable that way, because you can't, you, you're not the service and support department, right? There's a department for that purpose. Um, so you need to kind of strategically pick the ones you want to keep closest to you, the ones that are most likely to be leverageable. And th- so there's a little bit of a, a strategy around that, but you've got to keep the contact going with that customer and continually uh, aid yeah. them because then it's going to be easy to go in and meet with them. And there's some strategy, like, let's just say you're in the boat where, um, where you haven't been doing it. What you can mm-hmm. do is you can sit in on the support calls that your, your project managers right. or your other people are doing. And then at the end of the call, because you're involved, you could say, hey, you know what? I'm, we're trying to get in over at so-and-so's place. Do you happen to know this person? And you know that already because you looked it up beforehand. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you've done that. But the, the, the context there is you delivered some value or your support person did, or your trainer did, or your implementer did, right? Your project manager did. And then somewhere towards the end of the meeting after value has been delivered, then that's the opportune time to ask them if they happen to know a person and if they'd be willing to do an introduction. So there's some nuance to that. If, mm-hmm. if but on, honestly, just the super 20,000 foot view is if, if you're not contacting your existing client base, you're going to have a hard time leveraging them. So you need to have a way to be doing that. And uh, you, it, well, I just gave you one way, but the other ways is just for you to be with them to you know take them to lunch, do things like that. Put that schedule right into your calendar because what I can tell you is that those leads convert so much higher. You're way better off spending some time investing in the relationship with the customer, making sure they're getting the results that you promised, than than blasting out a hundred cold calls or a hundred emails because they convert so much right. higher.
0: Yeah, and so do you see? Um, when you start to do this as a general practice, do you see um, some of those customers coming back to you saying, hey, James, do you know ABC person? And now you're on this kind of mutual referring type of basis? Or yes.
1: yes. Yeah. In fact, one of the best ways to get referrals is to give a referral mm-hmm. first. Is mm-hmm. give. So if you think about what industry you're in, you got to think what, what could work as a, in terms of a, a, a referral that you could send them. So look at your network, see who you can send them, recommend them, right? And then do not, do not do this. The, this is uh, the this is the referral uh, equivalent of the LinkedIn connection. And then you uh, immediately send a sales pitch. Do not refer them. And then one day later, ask them to refer you. Just let yeah. it, just let it simmer yeah. for a bit, right? So this is not a, a um, it's a long-term strategy. And uh, so if, if you're looking for a quick bang for your buck, if you've already got a relationship Set up, it can convert quite. I mean, I have one client. We just barely set them up with certain referral relationships a couple of months ago, and literally, they just broke the record most number of deals in a uh, in a month. And about sixty percent of those were from these brand new referral sources that we set up. Now, hmm. that's because this particular one of their sales guys he was always good at keeping his customers happy and keeping the relationship there. And so that was there for him to leverage. If you haven't done that, you got to rebuild that back up again. Even worse sometimes, Dan, people aren't even connected to their clients on LinkedIn at all. Which means you can't go research to figure out who they know that would be a good candidate. So if you're at that stage, then the the thing you Mm got to do now is you need to go out and connect with all your clients on LinkedIn and all the people within those clients on LinkedIn so yeah. you can at least see who they know. And then one step back behind that, you know, you know Murphy's Law is before you do something, you always have to do something else first. Mm-hmm. Well, so look, it, look at your profile and make sure your profile makes you connection worthy before you start sending out a bunch of connections to your existing clients. So you may have to go all the way back to square one, which is buff up your LinkedIn profile, make sure that you look like someone. And the thing that people mistake, the classic Profile mistake that I see is people write their profile as though they're looking for a job, right? And so salespeople will talk about how they're you know cross selling and they're quota crushers and junk like that. Guess what? Clients the don't want to customers see don't that. care
0: about. They that. don't want
1: right. to see that. They want to yep. see how you can help people achieve their goals. So you need to rewrite your profile and your skills to match what makes you look interesting. And then when you send out your message uh, or your invite to your existing client base, go, oh, this guy looks like he could add some value. Yes. What you're looking for, really, is this visceral 30-second, they glance at your profile and say, yes, that's what you're looking for. Once you've got that, now you can at least look through their connections. You're still going to have to build the relationship I talked about. But now you can at least look and see who they know that might be a useful, you know, might be a good target for you. So, yeah, I guess we did that all backwards. But profile, connect to your clients. Yeah. After you connect to your clients, see who's a good candidate, and then use that candidate as a request for an invitation uh, with a client. Ask for one at a time
0: yeah no there's so much great stuff in there um, in terms of the profile, right we could start maybe backwards and go back over some of those but in, in terms of the profile, you know I always say today that first impressions now occur online, so you've got to come across as credible um, as someone that's has a point of view that's sharing that's active um, and it's not that hard to do you know and uh, we have to we have to go beyond the LinkedIn one hundred and one, which is we all put up our you know resume on there because we thought it was a you know a, a job site, right? So um, definitely that. Um, I try today after every meeting with a new prospect to send an invitation immediately uh, after the meeting um, or the next day. So I'm so I'm doing that before they're even customers. And then that one other very important thing you said um, in terms of giving the referrals. I don't know if you've read the Adam Grant book Give and Take, but um, you know there's givers, there's takers, and then there's matchers. There's the people that said, "Well, I did something for you, or I did two things for you. Now you owe me two things." Those people uh, are not uh, well received, and the givers are the ones that always their their network always takes their phone call because they've just they, they you know they don't recklessly give, but they're not really looking for something in return. And as it turns out they wind up receiving a lot more than you'd ever imagined. Bingo. Bingo. Let's, can I, can I
1: philosophize on that? Here's here's the thing. Give first, right? And uh, I think uh, Bob Berger's one said givers get. Okay. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe didn't coin that, but anyway, it's a true principle. And understand that reciprocity is the principle that's at play here, but don't expect it. Don't expect it. Give it, give because it's the right thing to do. Not because you're expecting to get something back. Right, that's the matchers that he's talking about. Yeah. So let me. I'll give you this. this is a mind blowing uh, uh, story? <laughs> I'll tell you. So um, when I again, I was in healthcare, um, and I was we, we were presenting to a group in Phoenix, Arizona. The system was overkill for for this particular customer. Right. So I what I did is I recommended a couple of other products that I thought were a better match for this client for this prospect. Right. And she thanked me. Right. And then great, that's the end of it. I never heard another thing. And why did I do that? Because it was the right thing to do for this person, right? We were not the right solution. So I didn't try mm-hmm. to push her into it. Two years later, she um, I get a call from Glenn Edwards, the CIO at it, uh, a, a big, uh, the largest healthcare system in Arizona. And he invites us to come you know, present and all this. And there's a long story there, but I'm just going to give you the short version. It turns out she referred Glenn, she knew Glenn Edwards and she referred Glenn to me. And we ended up selling, uh, in the first round with him, at $5 million, And then over the course of the next few years, another $5 million for a total of $10 million that we sold to this organization, all because I selflessly, two years earlier, recommended other systems to a person that wasn't a good match for my system. Okay? And so what I'm trying to share here is that, um, is that you want to do the right thing because it's the right thing, not because you're expecting to get back. I did not... Send her in another direction because I thought, oh, maybe someday she's going to refer me to Glenn Edwards. I did not think that at all. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. Put that into your personality and make it a permanent part of your life. And, and it, it, the, all the other principles that you learn about, that is truly
0: what makes it work. But you don't do it because of that. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, without a doubt. That's, a, that's an important philosophy to have, um, just trying to help in any way you can. Um, And you go on these calls and you start by saying, you know, can we help? Can I help them with my solution? And if not, can I help them with somebody that might be able to help them better? Um, James, man, I got to tell you, this this has been great. It's always amazing with you. Um, Let's hear when is this new book going to be available? Because I think it's going to be something that everyone needs to jump on. And then after that, tell us uh, and the the audience how we uh, find you on social, et cetera.
1: Sure. Well, the, the goal is to have it out by December. So we will see. All right. Right? Cross our time. fingers, right? Holiday and, uh, time. Yeah. Yeah, working title is the perfect referral. We will see. Again, uh, there's uh, you know, yet publishers get to say some things about those kinds of things. So we'll see mm-hmm. where that lands. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if folks want to contact me, um, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. Um, and so happy to connect with you there. Um, I am active on Twitter. Uh, the handle's uh, b2b underscore sales tips. And um, uh, I I curate a lot of content from other people. So you will see mostly other people's content in my Twitter feed, Uh, all the great, people that are out there including dan's uh, podcast gets posted there every mm. time he drops another podcast <laughs> and um and then it, it, you're certainly welcome to follow if you want to see my personal stuff you're certainly welcome to follow me on facebook right but whatever uh and i, I guess I, there's also an instagram uh, it's uh james puremure i think is uh is the instagram so really the best way though, of all those ways uh is just go to the website it's puremure.com p-u-r-e-m-u-i-r.com and uh, go to the, uh, my my advice. Go to the resources. There is like a dozen free resources there. Literally, you could see all the perfect close stuff, the first three chapters of the book, and all this these presentations. In fact, there's one presentation from Outbound. Uh, it's, I think it's called Tactical Prospecting. It's the very bottom one in the list, and it has a segment in there uh, so you can see the slides on what we talked about today. This is a very early version of uh, of what we talked about today, so they could just download that. Right? All that's yeah. free.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I have gone to this puremure.com site uh, many times. There's great resources there. James has a great um, uh, documents on discovery, which I've used many times. I've used with teammates. I've used with people I coach. Um, so really, really good stuff. And James, thanks again for coming on. Always a treat to have you and uh, look forward to uh, further conversations with you. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me back. It was great. Talk to you soon.